Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. We're going to uh, a new, well, not new, he's been in Civil War, but his, his first solo film, Spider-Man, today. Mm-hmm. Probably, and- probably the one that I'm most familiar with. I, grew I was going to say, because you are a big Spider-Man fan, Spider-Fan. I was, when I was, so for me, um, superheroes are basically just Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man and Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and that's it. There's no other superheroes that exist. And <laughs> as it turns out, I'm like, in 2008, I was like, who's this Iron Man? Who's, why is he getting up in this gaff? You just thought he was like a, like a housework domestic god, didn't you? <laughs> The irons things, yeah. Yeah, that's boring. I'm not going to be interested in that. Well, no, I thought he was the Iron Man, as in the Ted Hughes short story. Who oh my god, yes. That, that's what I was like, is it based on that? But as it turns out, no, it's not. <laughs> to be fair, actually, when I first heard it was coming out back in day, I did have a similar thing, because that story was, I'm sure they read it to every school, but it's kind of like in your brain, and it, it was a very different Iron Man to that. Yeah, and he say well, he does save the world. He saves the world from that great big thing that comes from space and lands on Australia, doesn't he? It's an odd one. I, yeah, and it is weird that we've all been read it. It's like a millennial rite of passage, the original Iron Man. <laughs> I bet there's some underlying themes there. I don't know what that would be, but well, it's also we, not relevant to this episode. Okay, we'll analyze it in the next Iron Man episode. <laughs> <laughs> there is one. There's no other Iron Man film. I now. know. That's what <laughs> we will Mr. never analyze it. Damn it. Okay. Um, well, did you like it? I did. I yes. really enjoyed this. I I mean, I I always enjoy a Spider Man because uh, I think Spider Man's probably one of the most. It's it's one of the most successful superheroes ever, um, and he is probably one that everyone can get behind. But it's I think they've proven over the years that you can reboot it and put a different take on it, and this one does manage a different take, even though. You know, Tobey Maguire was only about 20 years ago. Andrew Garfield's, what, less than 10 or around 10 years ago. I think Amazing Spider-Man 3 was even out when they were making this one, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it was, um, yeah, when they announced, like, I remember them announcing that Tom Holland's playing Spider-Man. I'm like, but wait, like, already? That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, that was all Sony Spider-Man. This is is a Marvel. It's a very different world. (laughs) It's still Sony, though. Sony still has the, the, their little, they're they're clutching to Spider-Man very hard. (laughs) Well, you would, wouldn't you? If you had the rights to Spider-Man, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to give this really one. I'm going to, yeah. you can borrow it. You can borrow, it's like Colin the Caterpillar in Cuthbert. You yeah, it is. It's exactly that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Are you team Colin or team Cuthbert? <laughs> Personally, I would always go Colin. But I do think Cuthbert's got good social media game. So True, true. I'm just team cake. <laughs> yeah, all cake is good. Um, yeah, I'm glad you liked it because I, I really loved this one. When I went to the cinema, it was so much fun because, I mean, we'll get to it in the plot, but there was a bit where everyone in the cinema was like, <gasps> 
<laughs> me too. Me too. There was a there was a very good twist in the story. Very very good. Yeah. In fact, you didn't see. Tw- I hate when people are like, "I saw the twist in my life." And I'm like, "No, you didn't. You lie." Because there's no way you could. <laughs> I did not see it coming at all. I thought it was really, really, really well set up. And um, I think I I liked how they represented youngsters, like teenagers, mm-hmm. in it because. You go back and watch the Tobey Maguire ones and it is a little bit patronising. Like for starters, the young people are played by 30 year olds and they're very obviously 30. Yeah. John Travolta, Um, Olivia Newton-John, that kind of guy. It's very much that. Yeah. Um, But they are always, there's always like a school bully and there's always like a group of cheerleaders who are like the popular girls. It's very tropey. Very tropey. Whereas this, in this one, I think there's a new wave of, showing high school not as that I don't know if you've seen Booksmart of course I've seen Booksmart I love Booksmart love it I loved I, it I went to the, one of the screenings for that and I was like this is so much better than I thought it would be because I just turned up half asleep <laughs> I was like, it was, ah! it's so good because it doesn't show high school as like a full of packs and um everyone's kind of friends even though they have their own social groups anyway um everyone's a little bit sort of yeah, you, you're going to have like LGBT characters and there's a lot more sort of um, diversity amongst the cast. And they did this here. I really thought of Booksmart a lot during some of yeah. these. Things. Actually, with Booksmart as well, the thing I really liked was that, you know, like normally it's that the geeks come out on top at the end and everyone else is doomed. But I love that because that doesn't actually happen. And I feel like no. it's, it's a false, not economy, it just sets up a false pyramid for people to climb up and and even though she's the geek and the the teacher's pet she's not really hated it's just people are just people sort of roll their eyes at her but they don't hate her they're still sort of on her side a bit and yeah um, the only time they seem to hate her is when she's being a bit obnoxious towards them which is completely fair she's genuinely mean sometimes isn't she yeah and yeah i mean not mean to go into book smart but that's kind of what happens here is that they had um they have the character Flash, who in the Tobey Maguire ones is like an out and out bully and just yeah. a totally irre- unredeemable character. Um, and whereas in this, he's he teases Peter Parker a lot. He's a bit annoying, but he's not he, he's not a bad guy. He's just like he's just irri- he's one of those irritating guys where you're like, oh god, Flash, shut up, like whatever, like that sort of thing. And you don't, but he's funny as well. And I think that yeah. was a good example of how they turned it they they don't patronize the teenagers they show teenagers intelligent and forward thinking and active um and people are yeah and i Mm. i quite like that they changed it so um director said it's meant to be a magnet school which Mm. (laughs) draws in all the very smart because they are all really smart kids aren't they it's not just like normally it's just spider-man he's like i'm a genius whereas in this is like I am one of many geniuses. <laughs> There's a whole group of them going to like some genius quiz or something. Yeah, they? which is, yeah, which I prefer it so much. It felt very much more real. I agree. I agree. It very nearly entered my top three. <gasps> and it didn't. It why? didn't quite. I I mean, I might change my mind in the future. I don't know. The only, it very nearly took Ant-Man off number three. But the reason I'm keeping Ant-Man there is I think with Ant-Man, I was probably cheering on the character to the very end a lot more than I was Peter Parker. But I think that's an age thing. I think if I was a teenager, I'd have the opposite opinion. That's my Yeah, I think I've told you before about some people who are like, oh, it's called Spider-Man, not Spider-Boy. And they get really cross about the fact it's a young guy. But I'm like, in the comics, most of it is set in high school. So it makes sense that he would be a younger. Isn't that the whole point is that he's a lot younger? 
Yeah, that's why he has those little wisecracks and the little like hmm. I don't know. He's very yeah. I just find that a very silly argument to be honest. But and he's not. He's a different sort of character. He's a slightly different character. He's he's a bit. He's reckless and a bit idiotic sometimes. But he's he's very charming um, mm. and very funny often. He is very funny. I think um, Holland is a very good choice actually because he is naturally a very he just sort of has like a weird awkward charisma to him which is <laughs> kind of what you need for that role yeah yeah and some people are really into how he looks as well so <laughs> well, some people not us be too young for us but <laughs> um he's very physically adept at all the stuff that he does as well because he does parkour and he's Peter oh, does parkour. He? <laughs> yeah I he's don't a parkour geek nice <laughs> um yeah and he's he does all his own stuff. Like I think that's that you can kind of tell. He looks very like I don't I don't think Spider-Man should be bulky. He should be kind of wiry mm. and athletic. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. Do a bit dweeby. Yeah. Dweeby. Dweeby. That's it. That, I'm pretty certain that's in the dictionary now. Dweeby. Yes, he's a dweeb. dweeby. A, a cool dweeb. Yeah, cool um, dweeb. Queen. Yeah. And then obviously Michael Keaton's in it, whom I love. He's a great actor. He's had a bit of a Keaton essence. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, he's always been peak. I love. He's my favorite Batman. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't think I've ever seen his Batman. I'm oh, seen his Batman. No, you should. They actually feel like a comic book rather than just like despair, darkness, moody sadness. Oh, maybe I have seen that Batman. Then is that when <laughs> at the beginning they get stuck in like a, a capsule with acid in or something, or is that a different one? I think that's different. This one's Jack Nicholson as Joker and Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. No, I've not seen that one. I'm thinking of the one with Jim Carrey in it. Ah, no, you should watch these. They're my favorite. They're Tim Burton, which basically they're kind of dark, but in like a funny comic booky way. So mm. I quite liked that as a villain, there wasn't like he didn't really have a tragic backstory or anything. He was sort of someone who felt a bit, um, he was very aggravated towards sort of higher powers. He's very, very American in that, yeah. very much like, oh, who are these, who are these jobs worth bureaucratic people coming in and doing my job? Rah, rah, rah. I'm blue collar working class. Rah, rah, rah. So he then starts doing. They took our jobs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they took our jobs. Yeah, um, and he he starts dealing illegally in uh, sort of alien tech um, mm. on the down low, and becomes a bit sort of obsessed with that because he becomes obsessed with this idea that there's a higher power constantly against him, and I think that was very timely. In it's very timely. Very timely. This is like 2017 at the moment, um, and they don't it's go little much little further little than that. Fairly fairies. Yeah, Mike. Michael Keaton. I, like, I was about to say Mike. Mike. Michael. My friend Mike. My friend Mike. Um, so he said the thing with this character is he's one of those people who thinks he's a victim. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he's not. But there are so many people we know who are like, especially now, like the government's restricting me from doing all the things I want to do. And it's like, well, yes, they are trying to keep you alive in the middle of a global pandemic. Though, so we've got to balance this out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you let if you let everyone do exactly what they want to do, obviously, they've got you can't sort of restrict everyone and become a dictatorship. But Sometimes you've got to say to people, look, this is a better thing to do and we really should do this for our health. Um, and I think the pandemic has really shown who who uh, thinks about the overall community and who thinks about just themselves and what yes. they want, doesn't it? The ego versus utilitarianism. Yeah. It's very much our, our catchphrase from the last episode of rules help control the fun. <laughs> yes, yes. Rules do help control the fun. <laughs> need the rules. Monica Geller um, needs a little shrine. <laughs> she does. She coined that. And it's just so true forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad you liked it because I really and love it. 
it is there's they they don't go too much into him but i quite liked that that they didn't overwhelm us with like villain backstory and stuff he's that like there's, there's not much else to mm. that because actually i think that's what we've discovered since 2016 is that the the villain of society is society itself like people within yeah. society who are who think that they're a victim when they're not and start mm -hmm. kind of fighting something that doesn't need to be fought against um yeah i agree yeah. it's very deep it's and very it's also deep. very nice that it's not another like no offense to the other spider-man spider-man the other spider-man films um <laughs> but they all kind of do the same story for the first film don't they it's like how i get my spider powers oh no uncle ben has died with great power comes great responsibility whereas in yes. this like no, we're just diving in. He's already a Spider-Man. They literally got rid of all that great responsibility bollocks. Who needs Who that? Needs it? <laughs> we all know it's true. We all know it already. <laughs> and it's also, it, it, again, this goes back to how they represented the youngsters. It, that great power, great power, great responsibility line is very much an older person lecturing a younger one. And mm. they're kind of avoiding showing that. The only time that happens is when Michael Keaton and Peter Parker have a bit of a standoff towards the end and he kind of says you're very young you don't know how the world works and that and then and he gets like that doesn't go much further than that it's just one of those really patronizing comments that older people have always said to younger people and it's actually well maybe younger people don't know how the world works and maybe they know how the world should work and how they want the world to work so they're going to form it and shape it how they want to and I always I always hate it when people um, talk down to younger people and think that they're just undereducated and unwise and stuff because actually there are some very very old people who just are idiots quite frankly yeah and you know what it doesn't matter how old you get there's always gonna be someone going oh you're very young aren't you and you're like well fuck you I mean someone's older than you in the world are you gonna assume that they know more than you it's annoying yeah. age does not equal wisdom it does like, not no. although we do show it a lot in films as being the case maybe exactly exactly yeah um so that's a trope that needs to be undone but I guess with the great power great responsibility thing they kind of do it as a show not tell vibe so you still get the message you yeah. just don't get rammed down your throat every couple of seconds let's do some plots so um this was cool it immediately starts off with the incident in New York City and Michael Keaton is part of the cleanup team um however uh the Department of Damage Control come in and they're like um you know a bit bureaucratic but you know they know what they're doing i got the it impression makes sense that they'd want to clean it up because they're like it is very dangerous alien technology <laughs> we don't want exactly you guys so they come in they're like boys. yeah they come in and they're like it's our job to clean this up um, because we're going to do it safely and we're employed by the government to make sure this is done and he's like they're taking our jobs and <laughs> He's a bit pissed off about this. Um, there's a, like a gun standoff at one point, but he manages to take away some unsubmitted alien material with him. Sneaky. sneaky and starts sneaky. developing a whole load of crazy shit with it. Which he shouldn't have done. But you know what I also quite liked about this was that before you were saying you would like to see the cleanup after one of these big events. And I was like, it's coming. And then it did. <laughs> no, that's it. They, they dealt with it really, really well. Like um, the incident is based, is a sort of, you know there's a cleanup after the after these things happen and often um you know political and social changes and you know, thinking of say 9 11 mm. that's probably the big event that's the equivalent for us really isn't it i mean any any kind of show that shows a, like in this this shows a great big plane flying almost towards buildings into in new york city that's triggering for it's, world, it's triggering. It? you're like no <laughs> not again <laughs> Um, also, the woman who leads the um, 
Department of Damage Control, I recognised her and I looked her up. She's, I can't remember which one, but she's one of Cagney and Lacey. Not really? Yeah. That's, that's cool. I didn't yeah. know. That. I was like, oh, I, I recognised her because I'd seen, she, she crops up in things every now and then. She obviously cherry picks good roles as well, because then it's she's one of those faces everyone always recognises but doesn't know why. We then get a video compilation that kind of brings us up to scratch on where the film is actually set. And it's set after Civil War. So we see Peter Parker being recruited by Tony. We see it all from his perspective now, because he's got he's like filming things and being all TikToky like the young people do. Um <laughs> And then he's uh, after Tony, after he leaves Tony after Civil War, he's waiting impatiently for the next call to action. He keeps trying to ring up Happy and he's kind of just a bit bored now. And, a, you know, mm. which is natural, I think. Um, I think so. Once you've had that, I'm part of the Avengers, it's kind of sucky to not be part of the Avengers. Exactly. Although he's, he's so impatient because um, there's two months in between Civil War and the beginning of this. And I'm like, you do realise that there's a good year or two between each film. So you know, <laughs> maybe you want to wait around for a bit longer. <laughs> he's away. Well, he's young. He's impetuous. Um, mm. And this is also interesting because this is the only um, Marvel film that Happy's been in that's not Iron Man. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's good for him. A little fact for you, though. <laughs> Factoids, one yeah. might say. Yeah. <laughs> We have lots of enjoyable banter around his school. Um, I love that he's he's there's sufficient chemicals in the school lab for him to make the web. <laughs> yeah, very lucky. I mean, I'm I guess like, it's a magnet school, so they must have stuff for the smart kids to play with. I, I guess know. so. I just remember my science lab at school, and the most we had was hydrochloric acid. So, a couple of bottles of ethanol. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I like he want he does like little things around the neighborhood to kind of help out with things. He's he's very literally your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Yeah, he as is. The phrase is, isn't he? Classic Spidey. Yeah, and I like I like the bit where you see him get changed in the alleyway. He's like getting out of his thing, get in stuff. But you never you very rarely see that in, or if you do, it's like a like a machine does it for you, like Iron Man. But he actually struggles out of his clothes and into the new suit and stuff and that sort of thing. He has to dump the bag in the alleyway and all that. I quite like that. Yeah, I like that too, because you you do wonder about those little bits in between. Like, when does everyone get changed? Yeah, yeah. And it it must take a while because, you know, that skin-tight spandex stuff, that's not easy to get on. It's not like you just slip into it. Like skinny jeans, which Mm. aren't cool anymore. But if you were going to wear skinny jeans, hard to get into. The pupils at the school would hate skinny jeans. They would. They'd be like, burn them. (laughs) Burn them with fire. Exactly. Um, Peter first encounters the alien uh, technology when he meets some bad guys who are stealing from a bank using the alien technology. Mm. Um, So that kind of puts it on his radar. Um, Meanwhile, he goes to a super cool party, which is hosted by this girl that he kind of likes. And he's got this girl, this, I can't remember her name, it's Liz, isn't it? Yeah. Liz. She's... um, she sort of mentions, oh, yeah, I kind of fancy Spider-Man. Ha-ha. So he goes with the suit underneath his clothes. Of course. Um, but he sees mysterious things in the distance. Um, and it's the bad guys. So he goes off to kind of track them down and be like, what are you doing with this alien tech? And obviously he wants an adventure, like a big, mm-hmm. cool adventure, because he's reckless. He's young. He has young. dreams of changing the world, like so many of us do. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I love that he can't move as fast in the suburbs because there's no tall buildings. He goes, and then he just goes into nowhere. (laughs) That was a very conscious decision, again, by the the makers of this film. They didn't want it to be all the skyscrapers of New York again. Because obviously we've seen that in the last, how many, six films? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 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 
So they were like, we wanted to take it, him out of his comfort zone and give like, you know, so then there'll be like very low level stuff and planes mm. and all these other crazy things so that you can just see Spider-Man like as we know him, but in a completely new situation. I suppose the last time we've seen that was Ant-Man where we had Thomas the Tank Engine coming out of the roof. I guess if you yeah. if you put it into a slightly more mundane setting like the suburbs, you've got to kind of put the jokes in to whereas in the city, obviously everything's tall and glossy and stuff. So, you you know, you can make it quite quite spectacular and cinematic. Yeah. He nearly dies fighting them like he ends uh, f- fighting the bad guys and he sort of ends up in the water. But um, Tony Stark saves him. Uh, or one of Tony Stark's suits does anyway. Um, And Tony says to him that he should help out in the local neighborhood. He should do more of that stuff um, rather than the big stuff Uh, and and then flies away. But Peter finds some leftover alien tech. So obviously that's not going to, he's not going to follow that advice, is he? (laughs) It's nice that the way they set up their relationship. Mm, Very much a mentor. Yeah. Yeah, like almost fatherly. Because they, they haven't explained where Peter Parker's parents, what happened with them, did they? I don't think they explained. He's just, because you, you know he's got his Aunt May and stuff. And hot Aunt May, yeah. Hot, young hot Aunt May, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bad guys track Peter to his school, but he hides from them. But he puts a tracking device on them. Um, and then that tracks them to Washington, D.C., where he just happens to be going with his quiz team. Which How is handy. Hot. Really, yeah. plot points, Berg. <laughs> but then maybe that does feed into the the twist later. I get, yeah, actually, that that does make sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, there's a moment where he's kind of he's kind of being given this choice between um, having a normal school life with his friends, but also seeking out adventure. And it's I found this interesting because obviously he goes with the adventure one, and that turns out to be not a good idea because he's got like all his quiz team will want to go swimming at night, and he's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go track down the bad guys. But it's interesting that um, uh, his mentor Tony Stark has kind of actively given him this choice and basically told him what choice to make. Yeah. I think. Um, and he's, especially since we know how naughty Tony was when he first started, <laughs> it's a little bit like. But then I I guess it's uh, Tony's trying to say, like, don't make the same mistakes I did or something. But then Tony was had more access to it because he was wealthy and a child genius. Yeah. And Peter Peter Parker is clever, but he's not wealthy. So Mm. it's a it's it's different. I think that's where Tony's like, you can't do it the same as me. Yeah. I'm Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) You're Tom Holland. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He catches the baddies in the middle of like a heist. They're stealing alien tech and things i guess um and he ends up trapped in like this big storage vault but that's when he gets to try out the suit's various capabilities this suit that tony stark made for him which was kind of Mm -hmm. fun i love that he's like oh it's so boring i've been in here hours and the suit's like no you've been in here 35 minutes he's like what (laughs) get out of here um he discovers that the alien tech that he has is actually some kind of bomb and his friend Ned has it too. So he escapes and he tries to save Ned. And this leads to this really tense scene where um, they're at the top of the Washington Monument and it explodes in there and the elevator nearly kill, falls and nearly kills them all. But Peter manages to save them. Yay. He does. Clap, clap, clap. Well done. Um, he then, he wants to track down the baddies. He starts to get a bit egotistical here and he considers himself above sort of school he's like I'm you know I'm I'm already flying way above school here and stuff and you know that's where the sort of this obnoxiousness is starting to come into it which I thought was really cleverly done yeah um, well, it's something you see happen with any young star really <laughs> they have an option yeah. 
are they going to be a dickhead or are they going to be a, but I feel like you can't help but be a little arrogant when you are elevated to such a position well totally like um you know look at child fame people who are famous as children like Justin Bieber and you know Michael Jackson and stuff like that like they they end up not really knowing what val the value of things both financial and personal and spiritual and stuff like that don't they they yeah yeah. it's very true so it felt very realistic again I think so and it didn't go too far they didn't make him do anything really awful they just made him a bit like just a little bit obnoxious and stuff and it meant it meant it was believable that his friend Ned who I loved he was brilliant um he is still like on his side all the time he's just he gets a bit exasperated with Peter but he's there's no like falling out and then they come back together which is always just a just a trope that's been done to death mm. in films like this um he ends up with this fight scene on the boat he tracks the um the bad guys to this ferry um and the boat nearly sinks killing everyone peter tries his best to save them but he's just he's not quite able to do it but then tony swoops in and saves the day um cross. he is very cross because obviously tony advised him not to go after the bad guys um but he did so tony gets really angry and takes peter's suit away from him and says you know mirrors when his suit gets taken away from him when did that happen well when just when he doesn't have his suit anymore and he has to learn to be like iron man free when he's doing it all on his own i see yes because he says if if you are nothing without the suit you don't deserve it yeah which was deep that's deep that's however with great power comes great responsibility exactly yeah no it's a bit that phrase has been replaced with if you're nothing without the suit you can't have the suit <laughs> yeah <laughs> no suit for you <laughs> I I personally, I think Tony Stark didn't deal with this especially well because mm. basically on the boat fight scene, the FBI suddenly turn up and no one knows why. And what it the reason Peter was going after the bad guys is he felt that Tony was not taking him seriously when he said there are some bad guys out there. Yeah. And he felt that Tony wasn't doing anything about it. So that's why Peter was like, well, I've got to do something about it. But it then turns out that Tony had been working with the FBI all along to track these guys down. And Tony was like, I had it in hand. Like, you should have backed off. But I'm like, Tony, why didn't you tell Peter this? Because he's been listening to Coulson, obviously. Yeah, obviously, yes. He's taking a leaf out of bloody Phil Coulson's book. You know what works? <laughs> Secrets, lies, deception. <laughs> I know. So if, if you had told Peter this, Peter would not... Like, Peter's only doing what he feels he should do morally. Mm. So if you told him this, it probably would have made Peter go, OK, well, Tony's got it in hand. Like... Yeah, it's yeah, you don't want who, He doesn't want someone who blindly follows orders, does he? Or does he? I can't work it out. I think more, I'm like, I don't know which side. <laughs> I, I, think, which. I didn't I didn't hate the storyline here because at the very end, when Peter and Tony are reunited, Tony does kind of say, oh, we're just going to say that that all worked out in the end. That it was totally what I intended to do. Yeah, like that. And yeah. it, it's very obvious that Tony knows that he screwed up a little bit there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, you could have told it. I, I made it made me think. What's which? What which Harry Potter book is it where Dumbledore's avoiding Harry all the time? Oh my and, god, it's book five. I and Harry's it. like, look at me. And Dumbledore's like, oh, suddenly I'm supposed to be, you know, mentoring this this <laughs> child, this orphan's child who's just seen a friend die. <laughs> we bring up Harry Potter a lot. We do, don't we? I, we're millennials. <laughs> bear with us. It's very much like the BuzzFeed thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it was it was a cultural reset for us. Let's face it. We had that, the Lord of the Rings, and Big Brother. Yeah. Oh, oh. Poor Nikki Graham. Poor Nikki Graham. That was so Poor sad. Nikki Graham. That was really sad. Yeah. <laughs> back, but back to MCU. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Peter gets back to school. He starts like 
getting back into it and focusing on it more um because he realizes that you know he didn't need to get so involved as he did um he then his crush liz he invites her to the school prom or school homecoming is homecoming prom is that the same thing i don't know american things i don't know i don't know like homecoming ball that's a vibe let me look it up it's some kind of ball Uh, you know you watch these high school series and movies and stuff and they literally have a big event every single week at these schools so it's when you welcome back former members of the community and the school i guess oh okay oh oh, that's nice um and he takes his crush liz to school homecoming this was brilliant so he you know he gets dropped off at her house he's been to the house before because he's been to her party but obviously her parents were not there he -hmm. walks up the lawn he knocks on the door opens the door her father is michael keaton wasn't it the best I, I screamed i was like no way that was so well done, <laughs> so well done. honestly because you just i don't know why it was it caught everyone off guard in the cinema when i went everyone was like <gasps> horror absolute mm. horror because i guess it's such an awful thing anyway to have to go meet your girlfriend's parents for the first time and it's just heightened by such an awful, awful yeah thing. I, I loved it because also i, I felt up until then the plot was a little bit repetitive. Like it mm. was building, but it was very much, Peter tracks down the bad guys, fails to get them. Peter tracks down the bad guys, fails to get them. Pete, like it starts, he fails to get them in the suburbs. He fails to get them in Washington DC, then fails to get them on the boat. Literally three, then that's like the same cycle three times. Then suddenly this happens and it's like, wham. And you're just like, oh, and it changed it all up a little bit, didn't it? And, um, yeah. and it thought, also changes yeah. the villain. It makes him more human. Cause you're like, oh, you're not just, you're not just that guy you also it's like when you find out like someone you know is a conspiracy theorist and you're like what you you're a normal person again it's a reminder that the enemy is not the end the enemy is the wrong word because it sounds like a war or something but the 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 bad people are Hmm. not like they're not sort of hidden far away they could be right there near you the ones who are you know bad force society could be your next door neighbor could be your friend could be you know yeah. anyone like that and actually it turns out that he's been right there in the community all along yeah um, there's that really nice phrase isn't it it's like if you go looking for monsters you won't find them because you're looking for something that looks like a monster you'd be like oh i want some sort of shady underworld criminal who lives in like mm. oh i don't i don't know where shady underworld criminals live like a weird nightclub that's also a pimp lounge or I don't know I don't know what I'm saying but you know what I mean you wouldn't expect it to be a suburban dad with a yeah yeah girl and a seemingly happy relationship with his with his wife and yeah exactly and he you know outside if he didn't know about his the villainous stuff he's done just seems like a regular nice dad with nice yeah. daughter lovely wife like lovely wife and he yeah. doesn't recognize to- uh, Toby doesn't recognise Peter Parker. I was going to say Toby Maguire. Toby Ooh. Andrew Tom. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't recognise him as Spider Man at first, and he's very like warm and nice and welcoming. Like, oh, you know, considering it's like someone is taking his daughter out on a date, you'd expect it to be a bit more like, hmm, frosty. I'm not sure about this. There's a there's a quote from uh, Jingo by Terry Pratchett all about oh. this, which I kept on my phone because I think this is a this is a brilliant little paragraph. He said, "This is about Vimes." He wanted there to be conspirators. It was much better to imagine men in some smoky room somewhere, made mad and cynical by privilege and power, plotting over the brandy. You had to cling to this sort of image because if you didn't, then you might have to face the fact that bad things happened because ordinary people, the kind who brushed the dog and told their children bedtime stories, were capable of then going out and doing horrible things to other ordinary people. Mm. It was so much easier to blame it on them, and them is capitalized, 
Yeah. It was bleakly depressing to think that they were us. If it was them, then nothing was anyone's fault. If it was us, then what did that make me? Yeah, Terry Pratchett is like, honestly, everything. Like, it's full what? of wisdom and everyone should read it if they haven't read Terry Pratchett yet. I love it. I highly recommend any or just look up some quotes from him because it's he's very funny, but sometimes he has these moments of profundity. Just, is that a I word? I know it's like profoundness. I don't know profoundness, what the word is. Profundity. Like there's just these moments where uh, it, you're just you, you just suddenly see the world in a different light. And I've kept that quote with me for many for years because I think that is a reminder that um, you know, you're bad people are not in far away from you they're actually they could be nearby and I think this film dealt with that very well it does oh we should bring Terry Pratchett in every week bloody love him I'll try and find quotes that are relevant no yeah. Agent Shield might be a stretch well we like, all his all his quotes on grief and loss are just so mm. yeah I mean that made me cry he's the only person who's died that I've cried for <laughs> yeah yeah very sad very sad yeah um so uh, yeah, there's, there's so much tension here because obviously Peter knows who he is. He doesn't know who Peter is, but he's starting- not until, not until all those little clues are dropped and you're like, stop speaking. Stop speaking. I know, and it's it, it just it's he's there's some he's he Michael Keaton obviously is like there's something about this guy and it's so tense. And with Peter, I'm just like Peter, for God's sake, you need to you know just put on a brave face here. You're just staring at him like he's. Like, like he's got spikes on him or something. Like, I know, but he could kind of get away with that as it being like, oh, I'm nervous about meeting my girl's dad vibe. Yeah. Then, then they keep saying stuff about like how he was in Washington and how he wasn't in the lift at the time. And like, uh, you're like, ah, stop. I felt sorry. I felt sorry for Liz as well, because she was obviously like a bit nervous about having this guy come round and stuff. And then the Peter's just standing there like, mm, like I that. know. He's like, she said, like, no, he's very charming and awkward and smart. But today, no, he's just a plank. And the mum was so sweet. The mum was like, oh, he's so good looking, isn't he? Ooh, like that. I was, I was like, that's so cute. Um, so you, I felt Liz, poor Liz has a real tough time in this film, doesn't she? She nearly dies in that lift. And then mm. her dad's like the villain. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, her dad should feel bad that she nearly died in that lift because that was his fault. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. But... but also you kind of get the vibe that he's not. There's lots of shades of grey and badness. Like I know he said the bad people were those people, mm. but he's not completely a bad person because he's clearly a very good dad. And he's raised like a very well-rounded, smart, emotionally mature daughter. Yeah. So, you know, there's no like she's not frightened of him in any way she doesn't fear him I feel like they could have gone down that road where she's like oh my dad's quite frightening but he's he loves mm. her I don't, yeah. I don't know I thought that was interesting actually in all fairness the the lift in the Washington Monument that happened because Ned had the alien mm -hmm. technology in his pocket so it wasn't Michael Keaton's fault I was suddenly like wait yeah they, they attacked that but actually no they didn't attack that no. that yeah. was yeah tightly plotted this very like oh. <laughs> And then as uh, the, the father's like, I'm going to drive you to the prom. And, and he's like, no, you don't have to. And he's like, I insist, I'm going to do it. So he's driving there. And then Liz, of course, drops in the, the fact that Peter has done an internship with Tony, knows Spider-Man, and Michael yeah. Keaton's just putting it all together very, very easily. Um, well, how could he not? I mean, I don't know how no one else has figured out that he's bloody Spider-Man at this point. <laughs> well, exactly. And... Um, like mentioned, I think she mentions the fact that he came to her party, but then disappeared. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously Michael Keaton knows at the same time that he was fighting Spider-Man. I think she mentions the fact that Peter wasn't there in the lift, in the yes, elevator, yeah. in the Washington Monument. And so it, literally it's pretty easy to work it out. <laughs> and I'm like, stop talking, Liz. Literally, I was, I was like, Liz, you you ruined it. You ruined this for yourself. Really. You did. <laughs> 
zip it. <laughs> so they arrive at the pro. Oh yeah, he has um he has like a really sinister, intimidating talk with Peter in the car after Liz gets out. Peter goes into the prom, but then he's like, I can't be here, and he's going to be a hero. He's like, I have to, I can't be intimidated by this guy. Um, so he chases after Michael Keaton with Ned's help, and I like this because Ned earlier on said that he wanted to be the headset guy who's in the background, and now he is the headset guy. <laughs> Headset guy, he's the Coulson of this group. He yeah, was well, better happy. than Coulson. Happy, happy, happy. Um, Jarvis. Yeah, I don't know. No, there isn't another headset guy. I guess the closest is um, Ant Man's friend, the one who tells oh, the I elaborate like stories. Yes, that's very true. I love Ant Man. They work out that Michael Keaton's plan is generally to rob Stark Tower because Tony Stark's moving all his stuff out. So they're going to rob the plane carrying all of Tony Stark's stuff, basically. And then they're going to have all this weaponry and that sort of thing. So there's this big showdown between Peter and Michael Keaton on the plane, which is very exciting. Um, They managed to crash the plane um, without hurting anyone. Um, Michael Keaton's suit is like breaking down. It's about to explode, but Peter saves him and traps him so that he gets arrested so he doesn't die, which is quite good, I think. I think that's the thing with Spider-Man. He doesn't really kill. He doesn't even really punch people in this film. He just no traps them, tricks them. He's tricksy. He, and also he, in the Tobey Maguire ones, he's extremely strong. I don't think he's strong in this. He's just got really good reflexes, hasn't he? Very agile, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, he is strong, actually, because he lifts up the lockers. He's got stuff hidden under the lockers. Yeah. I don't know how heavy lockers are, really. They're metallic. I mean, maybe I wouldn't be able to lift them, but I'm a little. Yeah, I, I feel like I could lift them if I wanted to. Okay, we'll we'll test it when we're in. We will. Next we'll podcast, we'll get something. <laughs> to lift. I don't know what it will be. We'll see who's the stronger of the two of us. Probably you. <laughs> Liz obviously has has a lot to deal with, so she goes. <laughs> yeah, I I feel sorry for Liz. You kind of expect her to go full super villain at the end of that movie but she doesn't which is nice well maybe in future films she'll become maybe. the vulture woman <gasps> lady vulture <laughs> lady vulture yeah peter is taken to avengers hq he reunites with tony um tony there's no it's it's sorted out quite well tony sort of acknowledges that maybe he didn't do do it very well but like we're just gonna like brush it all off mm. um uh, but and Tony says to him, you can join the Avengers if you want, but Peter turns him down and decides to stay in school. Which I think is a smart decision. I think so. he's got his whole life ahead of him to be in Avengers. Like... He does, yeah. He, he, he's only little. He's only a boy. And it's nice that um, you see Pepper Potts. A lot of people thought that she died at the end of um, Iron Man 3. And that's why we hadn't seen her. And that's why he's so, you know, struggling to deal with stuff. Why so. do they think she died? A lot of people thought, like, end of Iron Man 3. Do you remember she was all crazy looking they decided she died in surgery that was a weird fan theory going around i didn't think she died but i know that in civil war they said that they'd separated but now they're they get engaged in this yeah they're fine now but yeah a lot of people thought the separation was him being like unable to deal with what's actually happened uh yeah well that, that that makes sense doesn't it yeah yeah um, I also liked that they gave a bit of insight into what actually happens in this HQ because they've got this really big, impressive, brutalist building. Hmm. Um, but they also say, oh, we've got a bedroom for you. It's, it's right next to Visions, but he doesn't like doors or walls, basically. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, so they all have a bedroom. They all live here, basically. Yeah, it's, like, it's like a little superhero dormitory. <laughs> I didn't realise it. I thought, I thought it was maybe some kind of weird office where they, you know, they go out, save the day, and there's a bunch of 
you know pencil mm-hmm. pushers doing the paperwork and the risk assessments there <laughs> I kind of like it it makes sense as to why they've all got such a buddy buddy relationship as well mm-hmm. yeah they, it's a bit like um uh the the school and x-men mm. they all live there yeah do you, do you kind of get the vibe that Tony only offered him the chance to join the Avengers when he knew he would turn it down yeah there is a bit of that I think yeah Tony's a bit of a puppet master in this but not a particularly terrible one. Not an evil puppet master. Yeah, least. a little bit. Yeah, maybe maybe he did because he maybe Tony wanted to confirm for himself whether Peter Parker has sort of learnt his lesson exactly. or not. Yeah. Um, but if Peter, if Peter had like said yes, I'll join the Avengers, I guess Tony would be like, oh, okay, well, shit, I've got to now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take that away. To a corner, he called my bluff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that's the end. I can't remember. The, I, I didn't note down the um, the credit, the mid credits one. What happened in the mid credits and the closing credits scenes? Let oh, me. I've got it. I've got yep. it here. So in a mid credit scene. Vulture, Vulture in prison. And someone asked him to tell him who Spider-Man is and he doesn't say. And I think that's a nice thing. It shows he's not all bad. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or he wants Spider-Man for himself when he gets out. I know. I kind of got the feeling that after Spider-Man saved his life. No. And then I'm there's that Captain America, like, Kids message. I don't know, I'm a bit more glasses half empty with this. You're a bit more glasses half. Empty. I know. I'm like, it's Michael Keaton. He's not that bad. I wanted to come back and be a Marvel superhero. At some he's point. seen the error of his ways, and now he's a good person. Now. He's a la, good la, 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 la. La, 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 la. Yeah. And then there's the Captain America. You know, because he's the PE lesson, or the I can't remember what lesson he is in. The I liked that. I was. It was so horrible, but also kind of very in keeping with his character that he's like I see you're in detention because you've done something bad let's make some good choices now it's so what they would use him for though isn't it although I quite like that they do a little comment don't they because it's after civil war like I guess he's a war criminal now yeah yeah oh and um uh Zendaya Zendaya or Zendaya I I always said Zendaya but I don't know Zendaya let's go with Zendaya Zendaya is um she she's a really good character she gets some re- she's sort of in the background she says some really funny lines she's like this sort of jaded um you know politically uh woke person who's you know very cynical but also very clever at the same time and then reveals at the end that um her name is mj which obviously relates okay. to mary jane in you know the the old um the old corpus of spider-man stories the ultimate little Easter egg for all you Spider-Man fans, Spider-Fans. But it sets her up to be in the sequel quite nicely as well. Well, I think they were never going to go to Zendaya for the sequel. Um, yeah, if you ever watch the press tours between Zendaya and Tom Holland, they have a really, really lovely like friendship going on. Mm. Lots of people they were dating. I kind of got the vibe they're just very good friends. But you kind of get that chemistry, which is yeah. nice. That's good. That's good. Because yeah. that will then spill over into the acting, won't it? Yeah. Well, it does mean like... We know MJ never really gets a happy ending. Um, so yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming in my upper tier, definitely. Upper Very tier. close to top three. Uh, I'm so glad you liked it because as I said to you before, like a lot of my favourites are coming up and this is one of my, loved it. Awesome, awesome. Things to look oh, forward to. What would you give it out of five? 4.5, maybe 4.75. Very high. Very, very high. So it just needed to get like a point like a point fraction of a point to get into I think yeah I think the only thing holding it back I don't think there's anything wrong with it it's just um I think there would be more appeal to younger teenagers and people in their early 20s whereas like I said it it very nearly toppled Ant-Man off its perch but I think I was behind I was cheering on Ant-Man properly by the end of his film whereas this one I was entertained but I wasn't cheering him on in the same way 
they're such different characters as well because Ant-Man is someone who's been through prison and mm. he's down on his luck and stuff whereas this is a young whippersnapper out on he is a young whippersnapper yeah Sonny yeah. Jim <laughs> but yeah and I I just I'm a big fan of it it was nice to see something a bit different like I did enjoy the other Spider-Man films but they did have an air of melancholy to them because of mm. Uncle Ben dying and all that stuff yeah they don't bother with that and they just have that aunt may is like younger and sassier and we talked before about how that makes more sense because like why would the aunt be so old right yeah and i love her chemistry of robert downey jr because obviously they've done mm. a couple of films where they did only you and i think they did another film together but i liked that warmth between them a lot of people were like oh, will they get together and then obviously it was like pepper's not dead so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work but you kind of you could kind of get behind it as a as a pairing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think he actually used to date in real life, Larissa Tamai and Robert Downey Jr. You mentioned that, yeah. Maybe they yeah. did. Yeah. But you, you kind of get again, it's like a bit like the kids in the film. You get a lot of chemistry between all the characters. And Aunt May in this, she's very sort of panicky about Peter. And you get the impression that she's extremely protective because of potentially what happened with his parents, whatever that might be. There's a He's very worried about her worrying. Yeah. Um, whereas it, and also with Ben, I guess, her husband. Yeah, that too. Um, and whereas when she's older, it's more about worrying about her because she can't protect herself in the same way because she's a bit more fragile. Whereas this, this, this Aunt May's younger, she's stronger, but she worries too. So, But then she finds out at the very end, doesn't she? She sees Peter in the suit. She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know, yeah. I think she would probably have gone off Tony Stark immediately when she found out that he was behind the situation. I think but so. It's nice that she knows as well because I feel like mm. I don't know. It's always a bit weird when you live with someone and they don't know that you're a superhero. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and the whole keeping it a secret thing, it becomes a bit tedious after a while, I think. And that's yeah. why Iron Man's kind of fun because immediately he's like, Yeah, I'm Iron Man, deal with it. Yeah. Which you don't expect. It completely flips the superhero genre on its head. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well, do you have anything else you want to say? Do you want me to quiz you? No, let's quiz. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. I like the, the Marvel logo at the beginning had like this full orchestral version of the Spider-Man theme. Yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that was clever. Um, I think it really set it up for what it was going to be as well, like a fun, light-hearted romp. Mm. Um, what do you believe it got money-wise? Money or money-wise. Um you, that 700 one million, 800 million. 880.2. Fair enough, fair enough. So it was the second most anticipated summer blockbuster behind Wonder Woman. And people were like, oh, it's like Wonder Woman's kid brother. He's a bit more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's Knox, different universe. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I was like, completely <laughs> different, all incorrect. Um, what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? I think it got quite high. I'm going to go with 92. You are bang on, 92. Oh! Yeah, you win. They were so it's colourful, fun adventure, sit snugly in the sprawling MCU without getting bogged down in franchise building. Totally, totally. Which I agree, because it obviously borrows from previous events and you kind of, but you don't need to know that. You could have gone in blind, really. Completely, yeah, yeah. Mm. Doo, doo, doo. Okay, so there's a popular fan theory about Peter Parker having appeared in a previous Marvel movie. Not the one we know he's been in. As in what? Oh, so he's appeared in another MCU film. Allegedly, as a, uh, yeah. You kind of, kind of like, okay, so you know Jurassic World, everyone decided Chris Pratt's character was the kid in Jurassic Park who... Um, oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. So mm. is there a child in an earlier MCU film that they think is Peter Parker? Yes. 
Which one? I don't know which one. I there's Iron Man 2. There's a little kid who stand, he's wearing a little Iron Man mask and he stands up to a killer robot and then he gets saved by Tony Stark. And oh, okay. Like, that's Peter Parker. And Tom Holland was like, I love that idea. Can we tell everyone that that's official? And they were like, yes. So that's now canon. Oh, well, fun. I like that. Um, so what is different about the Vulture in terms of his villainous schemes? Um, what is different about him? That he hasn't had something tragic happen to him beforehand? Kind of. Um, it's also that he never intentionally attempts to harm any innocent people. So yeah, he's just about, he just wants the technology, doesn't he? Yeah, so actually all the peril and damage is actually caused by Spider-Man meddling in his schemes. <laughs> it's actually that his is fault. interesting, yeah. Mm. Um, do you want to know how Michael Keaton researched the role? Or would you like to guess how he researched his role? Uh, did he not? Pretty much. He sat down with his friend's two daughters and asked them what they knew about Spider-Man. It's <laughs> 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 not really research, but we'll let you have it. Um, he's got just such a menacing look in himself that I don't think he needed to do anything other than just do Michael Keaton things. Well, exactly. And do you want to know who the other person, what, guess who the other person was who was up for that role? Uh, and it's, it's another person who's like, oh, that would have been good too. <laughs> ooh, um, I don't know. Tell me. Mark Hamill. Oh, oh my God. They need to get him in the MCU. Don't I they? know. I'm like, how has he not been in it yet? He's amazing like especially now he's more sort of grizzled and a bit more scary like he's his voice is terrifying and because of because of the new star wars films and stuff he's he's sort of back on the rate he's not just luke skywalker he's luke skywalker and mark hamill Hamill. and he's great like his instagram is so much fun i feel like people have a lot of love for mark hamill so they should get him in he's very funny yeah did you did you notice who was voicing the spider-man computer no but (laughs) the cast beforehand i'm trying to remember oh you know what i because i looked up the cast list it was someone i can't remember who now jennifer connelly that's it yes but what's also interesting is that she is paul bettany's husband uh, wife even paul bettany's oh. husband and he's iron man's computer and was she not the love interest in the hulk with eric banner she was that was another question you nailed it connections yeah man Okay, um, can you guess they had to all watch a movie marathon by one director to prepare for this film? Ooh, okay. Uh, Steven Spielberg. No. Oh. You'll, you'll see why. John Hughes. John Hughes. What did he do? Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 16 right. Days. Yeah, pretty pink. Yeah. So um, Tom Holland said that they all had to go sit down in a house and just watch them all in one day of Domino's. They watched The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, and loads more. Because it's like to show them what teen movies were like. That's, yeah, I I thought Spielberg, didn't Spielberg do The Goonies? Yes, he did. Uh, I'm thinking of like that E.T., like kids uh, hanging young, together. Young I, was, I was thinking Jurassic Park and... <laughs> <laughs> That's Saving Private Ryan, terrifying. <laughs> Schindler's List, yeah. <laughs> yeah always classic. Um Okay, I've already told you about the Captain America. This is the problem, I get too excited. Um, can you guess who else was up for the role of Spider-Man? Uh, no, I don't know young people. So some of them aren't that young, but I'll oh. tell you anyway. So we've got Donald Glover, Josh Hutchison, Grant Gustin, who I've 
never heard of. Mm. Alfred Enoch, Freddie Highmore, and Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> oh, how fun. Donald Glover's the guy, the guy that the the the, the dealer guy, isn't he? Yeah, that's a question that I was gonna yeah. Oh. <laughs> um so there was a scene that was cut out that had Aunt May in it. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like me to tell you what the scene was? Because you're not going to know. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so, Marisa Tomaya says, There was something going on in the neighbourhood and there was a little girl in distress and I saved her. And Peter saw me save her. So you kind of saw that he got part of his ethics from Aunt May. Ah. And she comes home and doesn't even tell him that's what happened. And therefore shows that there's secrets between them both. And Yeah. Yeah, so they're both living and... But they cut it out, which I thought was a shame because that felt like a good scene to have, maybe. Possibly, although it's it's a good two two and a quarter hours, this film, so it's pushing it in terms of length already. It's true, and I guess that should have happened when he was younger, maybe, rather than now. Mm, yeah. So, um, can you guess why people were upset with Marissa Tamayo's casting? No. Is, it, is it an age thing? It's an age thing. Um, so people were like, it's sexist and ageist because she's younger than she should be, you know? Mm. But... Um, there's actually a basis for this because there's the ultimate Marvel, you know, characterization of Spider-Man and she's a, a strong independent woman in her late forties. And I do, mm. I can see why they're saying like, it should have gone to an older woman, blah, blah, blah. But I also think it makes more sense in this younger Spider-Man world to have a younger aunt person. Totally. And it's something new. Like you can't have Rosemary Harris and Sally Fields types all the time. Like, Yeah. Um, did you spot Stan Lee? I did. And I can't remember where he was now. What did he do? He was early in the film. Mm. I seem to remember. I can't remember now. <laughs> so he's an annoyed neighbour called Gary. And he Yes. He's like, don't make me come down there, you punk when Spider-Man's like going up. And then he the talks world. nicely to the other uh, the female neighbour. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. That was it. Um, why did they decide to diversify the school? Because they had to, or to reflect New York. Pretty much, yeah. They were like, we couldn't put New York on screen. It didn't look like New York. Peter Parker's mm. from Queens, which is one of the most diverse places in the world. So, yeah, totally. And I also did the casting, like, they didn't have ethnicities in mind for characters. Like, mm. everyone just, it was like, who's right for the character rather than anything else? As which it should be. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, so, Donald Glover's role. Why is that so exciting for Spidey fans? So I think I accidentally came across the answer to this uh, whilst reading about the cast. Is hmm. he t- a, a villain in the Spider-Man universe? So he's yeah. So he's Aaron Davis, which is a low-level criminal who becomes the Prowler. R- yes. He, he's also says he's got a nephew in the area, and he is the uncle of Miles Morales. Who's yes. The, yeah. I came across this because I watched the Into the Spider-Verse film, oh, and I was like reading. It? I loved it. So it's good. So good, isn't it? I got so into it. Yeah. And um, yeah, because the prowler is Mahersha Ali, who's the uncle of Miles Morales, the main character in that. And I ended up reading about the prowler and it said, oh, Donald Glover plays him in Spider-Man Homecoming. I was like, oh, well, OK, right. <laughs> Gave away well, there we go. well, there's still you, you learned it in a good way by watching mm. a good movie and then researching about it. Researched. Yeah. Research works. Yeah. Um, so the kids, like we've already talked about M- MJ mm-hmm. being so all of them hark back to previous Spider-Man characters. Yes. Did you spot any others? Uh, it's Flash. Yep. I remember Flash. Uh, in the universe, there's always a Flash. There's always a Flash. Um, the others, no. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't familiar with them. Like Liz, I didn't, I don't, 
I didn't know I don't know if she's in any of the other ones or anything like that yeah so in the comics she is a love interest of both Peter and Flash right <clears throat> in um Ned Ned is um in the comics becomes the hobgoblin that path uh and then Betty Brandt, who's the one on like, oh, hello, I'm doing news reports for the Oh, sport. yeah. So in the comics, she works at the Daily Bugle. Hmm. And she's also, I think she has um, a bit of a romance with Spider-Fan. Spider-Fan? Spider-Man as well. Spider-Fan. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. And cool. that was that was my last question. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Very, lots of connections that they put in there. Yeah, I think they really... They knew Spider-Man, so annoying, Spider-Man fans were going to have like preconceptions going in. And I think they made sure to show a lot of love to the original universe, which probably paid off. Everyone watching it is going to remember Andrew Garfield and Tommy Maguire for him. There's not a massive gap between them. So I guess they, exactly. yeah, they had to put in those little Easter eggs. But I think they just did such a good job of doing something like different with it, like yeah, taking it to a slightly different direction. They're like little women, like people keep going, how many times do we need to adapt it? It's like, well, they're adapting it for a new audience and a new yeah. world. So I can kind of see why they do it because this is very much feels like it's made for the Gen Z. Yeah. Totally, generation. totally, yeah. Gen Z generation. Whereas the Tony Maguire ones, it's like, you know, 10 things I hate about you, but with superheroes. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, it was. That's the perfect description. <laughs> yeah. And I like the, um, the, 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 like the color scheme was slightly darker. Like it, there was a gloomier feel to it whereas in previous ones high schools are usually very colorful and everyone's wearing colorful clothes and stuff like that whereas now it's you know it's not the noughties anymore it's it's the 2020s well it was the 2010s at that point but it's nearly 2020s yeah 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 no I completely agree I think they did such a good job and I'm glad you liked it because it makes me happy excellent um would you like to know what is next I would love to know what's next unless you dare say agents of shield and then I will... <laughs> we've got it's a long time before we hit agents of shield again actually um so we've this i'm excited by this it's the defenders ah yes you will be excited so i'm looking forward to seeing jessica jones again and daredevil and just seeing them cross over and i'm looking forward to seeing luke cage and it's nice that iron fist is there too we, we're, we're glad he's been invited it's always good it's <laughs> nice nice to, nice to bump up numbers yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bloody iron fist yeah okay cool well, that'll be fun i look forward to it let's do it you've been listening to an episode of the marvel virgin if you'd like to join in the conversation you can tweet us at the marvel virgin we hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode